Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Beautiful first day of the week. Thankful that we have the privilege of being here this day. I am thankful to be here. I woke up this morning. Glad that I did. You see me up here? I'm the oldest man in the building. And you have something going on here that I don't think has happened in this congregation before. Mark spoke last Sunday. I'm speaking today. Jordan is speaking next week. Three generations. I'm going to try to stay around here long enough to see a little guy named Ellis back there up here old enough to help me out and make it four generations. I think that would be neat. Thankful for your presence, number of visitors in the audience this day. Very thankful for you being here this day. To those of you that are watching on a computer screen or virtual, happy to have you here this day. I'm going to be talking about doctrine of the church. This is not religious philosophy. This is doctrine. Giving is something that I don't speak on very often. I do occasionally. But it has been eight years since I have spoken on this particular subject. Many of my brethren do not choose to speak on this subject at all. I've been here a year and a half. I haven't heard one word said about it. Just don't choose to speak about it because money is involved. The outline that I'm using this morning was prepared for a presentation at the Area Wide Brotherhood meeting in Denton, Texas on uh, Saturday, July 18th, 1998. And out of that, after I finished my remarks, we sat down and then... And, uh, Listen to the tape, typed it up, and this booklet was made, and several of you have seen this booklet. I have given away over the years, I think, about 600, about 600 copies of that, of that book. The attendance that day was about 900 people from eight different states and the nation of India. I was about as nervous as you could be. 300 people was the most I had ever spoken to at any one time. And I was nervous. Heart was pounding, blood pressure was up, everything like this. My wife sitting at our side of me, she was about as nervous as I was. And in that 900 people, right down in an area like this, there was about 90 or 100 Laprada people. And uh, they had heard me speak for one or two minutes about giving over the past 30 or 40 years. And uh, they'd never heard me on a full sermon. But I started, and that audience of 900 sat there in shock as to what I was saying. As I said, Linda was about as nervous as I was as I got started. And just I was being introduced by Gerald and getting ready to walk up there. Linda hands a note to me. Brother Chris, guess what that note said? Four words. Is your zipper up? Taking care, of, taking care of her husband, I guess. I walked up there and the adrenaline kicked in. This entire outline, I went through it in 26 minutes. I can nowhere come close to doing that today. 23 years, I've slowed, it slowed me down considerably. I'm going to use several stories today. I'm going to use several illustrations today. I'm going to give you some history of this church as I know it. Ever since Mark started coming up here and going to college, and I've been around the church 
And there's some history that I'll give to many of you that you've never heard before and that you're not a part of. And it's good history of some of the good things that's happened down through the years. Before the meeting started on that Saturday morning, one of the deacons, I mean, rather, one of the other evangelists came to me and said, are you going to beg for money this morning? I said, no, I don't intend to beg for money. It wouldn't do any good. I wouldn't get any. I don't do that. I have been accused of teaching tithing. I do not teach tithing. I get close. And tithing is my personal practice, a preference that I choose. My own voluntary will. That is a practice that I choose. I'm not going to ask anyone to change your lifestyle. You're not going to have to stop going out to eat one night a week so that you can give more to the church. That won't work. I'm going to offer a solution to your inadequate giving, especially to all you younger couples that are here this day, that it will work. It worked for two couples that were part of the tragic. And it has worked for other people as well. On the next year, at the area wide brotherhood meeting, it was in Oklahoma City. At lunchtime, Linda and I were Linda and I were eating lunch in a restaurant. A couple walked up that I had never seen before, had no idea who they was. They identified themselves and they said, "We attend church at the church in Prongview. We were here last year in Denton, and we heard what you said. On the way home, we discussed it." We decided to try it. Thank you so much. It changed our lives completely. Boy, that made my day. Afterwards, after the sermon that day, several of the evangelists came to me as a group. And one of them said, speaking for the group, man, we're glad you did this today. You see, we can't do this because we're on salary. But you're not. And you can do this. And we're glad that you did. On the following Sunday morning, and Friday, many people were still in the area. We packed 401 people into the auditorium at LaFrada. Brother Ty Fleming was our speaker that morning. Ty walked into the pulpit, walked up the pulpit and turned around. And the first thing that he said, he said, I want you folks here at LaFrada to know that I didn't know that there was anybody in the brotherhood that could do what your brother Woody did yesterday. That was Ty's reaction to what I had to say. I expected a lot of criticism from what I had to say. I got one very minor criticism. I do consider it minor, and I'll discuss that within a few minutes. Luke chapter 6, verse number 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according to his purpose in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Paul said, I will reprove, I will rebuke, and I will use exhortation in my, in my remarks. This morning, I will be generic in some of the stories that I tell. I have names that I could go with that, but I choose not to use them. Other than the stories, I will use names. The excuse that oftentimes is given for not giving as you should is we barely make ends meet. We barely make ends meet. The only trouble with that is if your income doubled, you would still not be giving much more because all you would have done is raise your standard of living. God is not concerned about your standard of living. God is concerned about your standard of giving as you go through life. Who should give? 
how much, and why these questions arise. In the book of Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 1 and 2, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of the Most High, a king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom Abraham also gave a tenth part of all. Abraham gave a tenth part of all, and he did it voluntarily. Jacob, upon receiving some land and some property, purposed to give 10% of that, and he gave it voluntarily and cheerfully. God's law later for Israel was that they had a tithe. They had to tithe. That was a 10%, that was 10% plus gifts and offerings. As Christians, every one of us are to give. So therefore, the question, who is to give? Everyone. Not four out of five people. Down through all the ages, God has asked his people to give. Just why Abraham and Jacob decided to give a tenth cannot be determined for sure. But we know that they did it in their hearts and they did it voluntarily. So in the patriarchal age, we have a voluntary situation of giving. In the mosaical age, it is a tithe is required. In the Christian age, it is back to a voluntary situation again. I ask you this question. You think about it. Do you think those early Jewish Christians gave less in Christianity than they did under the Mosaical age where a tithe was required? I don't think so. The tenth is not bound by law today, but we're bound to purpose. That word purpose means you decide ahead of time what you're going to do and how you're going to handle that giving. I like the illustration of the man sitting on a pew not paying a whole lot of attention, thinking about something else. And all of a sudden, he realized the collection plate was coming down his row. Reached in his pocket, grabbed a handful of whatever, dropped it in the collection plate. Church is over with. Leaving. Gets out to his car. Craig, he can't find his keys. Guess where they were. And he never intended to give his car to the church. You decide ahead of time if you're going to give a tenth, a fifth, a fourth, or like the poor widow who gave all that she had. Most churches in this nation teach tithing. Very few of their members practice it. There is a very few of us in the Church of Christ that practice this on a voluntary basis. Giving should be first, before payroll taxes, before the house and the rent payment before the grocers and the other bills are taken care of. We live in a rich nation. We do not give uh, We do not give sacrificially. We give of our abundance after we bought everything else. And then if there's anything left, the church will get a part of that. Liberal, cheerful giving combats that which the Bible refers to as covetousness. Some incomes go up and down like a yo-yo. And I've looked forward down through the years because you see I worked for many, many years as a salesman. I worked on I worked on commission. I didn't have a set salary. Worked on commission. So every week, my income is like this. I love those weeks when it was way up there. That means I had a good check to give the church. Those occasionally, when I didn't do any good that week and I didn't make a red cent, I had nothing to give. I didn't like that. Couldn't afford that very often. This has been one of those weeks that everything went like this, which I did not expect. And I looked at that, and I thought, my gift today must be at least 
five times more than I usually do. Taking care of what happened this week, and we'll discuss that a little later. Don't lose your soul, my friends, over a few dollars. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. One of the advantages, this verse has been referred to as the giving living verse. One of the one of the evangelists years ago told me, he said, Clyde, I love your giving living verse. I don't try to explain away that verse. I just live by it. By faith I live by it. Give and it shall be given unto you. It has worked for me down through the years. Try it. It might work for you as well. Because I believe in it. From time to time when I have run short, getting pretty close, Lord, I need some help. Something clear out of the blue would come up. And money came along. Within this past four years, within this past year, Two different times, brethren have walked up to me and each time handed me $200 in cash. Another time a brother walked up and handed me $300 in cash. Another time somebody came by where I lived and slid five $100 bills under the door. I have no idea who it was. Giving living. Give and it shall be given unto you. Mr. J.C. Penney believed in giving living. And that's the way he conducted his life. He opened one small store, I think it was in Colorado. And he said, Lord, I'll be faithful in my tithe. If you'll bless me in this store, I'll make some money, I will be faithful in my tithe. That store did well. He gave as he had promised that he would. He opened up a second store. It did well. Our third store, fifth store, twentieth. 50th, 100. It finally got to 1,000 stores. And as he, as his money kept going up, the amount that he gave kept going up. It went from the tithe of 10% to 30%, 50%. Later on, he was giving away 90 and keeping 10. He called it reverse tithing. That was Mr. J.C. Penney. Giving living was what he believed in. Our religious neighbors today, I hear that say they they teach tithing, they get somewhere around $30 for every man, woman, and child that walks through the door. Some of our congregations average about $20 per person for every man, woman, and child that walks through the door. And that $20 is estimated to be 1.4% of the prosperity of that congregation. Where did I get that? Reader's Digest, November 2001. Contribution here, somewhere around $40 per person. For every man, woman, and child walks through the door, that's probably in the area of 3% of the prosperity of this congregation for the week before. We as elders must lead by example. I cannot be hypocritical about this. I cannot preach one thing and then practice something else. I must do as I, pre as I practice today. I must do that. I can't be like some of our politicians. They keep wanting us to give more tax money, more and more money. And they're not willing to give anything at all. A few years ago, Mr. Al Gore was our vice president. Of all the money that he made, his income tax showed that he paid $353 in, in charity for that year. Our President Biden, a very wealthy multimillionaire, 
is in the one-tenth of one percent bracket. Al Gore was in was less than one-tenth of one percent. While you look at other people, President Bush, his vice president Cheney, Cheney was quite wealthy. He had, the year before, he had given seven million dollars in charity. Mr. George Bush, he just settled with 20% of that which he made to help out. We should encourage our people to give and then give them a reason to give. Then give them a reason to give. Heard one of our elders some time ago, he said, if we have a real need in the congregation, I can walk before that congregation, tell them what the need is. This is the need. We need it now. And within just a short time, I can pick up $25,000. That's pretty strong. This congregation, about 21, 22 years ago, was planning on building a new building. You were meeting on Barry Road in a small building. And you were planning on building on this property, this building, planning on that. One of the brethren walked before this congregation and said, over and above your regular giving, how much could you give so that we can get have a new building down on the property that was donated to the church many years ago? You immediately picked up $1,150 a month. That happened in this congregation. Many of you are two-income families. You make $1,500, $2,500 per week. You're in the middle class. Being in that middle class, that $20 that you give is not liberal or generous. What kind of example are you setting for your children? Give because you love God. Because you love the truth, the brethren. You love the brethren. And you love the unconverted world. And you're building a flimsy foundation upon which to build character when you, when you give that 10 or $20 and know that it ought to be at least 10 times that. You know it ought to be at least 10 times that. Think about that word no. I look at the book of James chapter 4 verse number 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It was not just a problem. James said it's sin when you know what you ought to do and you're not doing it. A Christian that can live can afford to give something. When you find your living first and your giving's last, you have a problem. James said it's sin. Set a goal. What portion or what percentage of your income would you like to give? You can't reach it overnight. There is no way that it can be done. But it can be solved. To Especially to all the younger couples here. Here's how you do it. And you'll never feel it and you'll never know it. You have a pay raise that's coming up here in a month or two. You know that pay raise is coming. That pay raise is going to be $200 a month. When you get that $200 a month, give $100 of it to the Lord, you keep the other $100. you have got $100 more than you had the week before. And then you know that my car is going to be paid off in six months. $400 a month. Give half of that to the Lord, $200. You keep the other $200. You have a plus $300 right there that you didn't have before. You've not raised your standard of living, so you... You're in good shape. You have a credit card maxed out. You've been paying a couple hundred dollars a month on that. You're about to get that credit card paid off. $200 a month. Give half of that to the Lord. You keep the other half. There's $400 a month more than you had to start with. 
and you can live very well on that extra $400. You'll never miss what you've never had because you have not raised your standard of living. You've just raised your standard of giving. Who is to give then? Every one of you are to give. How much? The Bible says the first part, the best part, and a reasonable part. That's what the Bible says about giving. The first part, the best part, and a reasonable part. In the book, in the book of the Ezekiel chapter 23, verse number 19. The first of the first fruits of the land shalt thou give unto the house of the Lord thy God. Numbers 18 and 12 says this. All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and all the wheat and the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 16. The husband that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruit. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, which is your reasonable service. So we have looked there and we have seen about the, about the first part, the best part, and a reasonable part. I like the illustration of the family that was sitting down to eat. This little guy about so high, he's sitting down at the end of the table and he pushed his plate up there and they give him some some of the roast beef that was on the table, mashed potatoes, and he had that plate in front of him. A minute or two later, back with his plate again. More food. His dad, oh, there's something wrong here. So he put some more roast beef and mashed potatoes on the plate. I'll see what's happening. A minute or so later, the little guy, that piece of roast beef, off the plate, under the table to his little dog. The dad said, Son, let's eat our, let's eat our food. Whatever we have left, then we'll take care of the dog. They got through eating. Little guy was over scraping leftovers, things like that, into the dog's bowl. And he said to his dog, I was going to give you a donation. But this is just a collection of what we had left after we'd eaten everything we wanted. Do you give this way? What's left of your abundance? God asked the Jews for the first part. He asked them for the best of the first. We as Christians, we need to give voluntarily the first part and the best part because your soul salvation should be your first consideration. It is the Lord that gives your soul the power to get wealth. How many of you are familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 18? It's the Lord that gives thee power to get wealth. You think about that. It's the Lord that does that. He can give it to you. Before providing for yourself and your family, propose how much you're going to give in service to God. God will not ask anything that is impossible. One of the highest compliments that God ever paid to anyone was when he spoke to Mary and he said, she has done what she could. He made that compliment to her. Malachi chapter 3 verse 7 through 9. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. Uh, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Israel's mind at the time that Jesus came, that was it. Malachi chapter 3 verse 7 through 9. They had indulged in material pleasures. Their eyes had been blinded. They 
had not tithed as they should have. And God said, because of that, you are robbing me. Are you robbing God? Let's say I know about this situation. Probably other people would too. Family here has a big, beautiful home. I'm nothing wrong with that. That's great. You can afford to buy it. Great. Two fine automobiles in the driveway. You well know that takes a tremendous income to have that kind of a home and those, those kind of cars sitting in the driveway. And yet, that person drops $20 in the collection plate on Sunday morning. I believe they're robbing God. It was at this point that one of the evangelists told me, Clyde, you're talking about money. And you have no right to criticize or try to correct that person. But I believe that I do as an elder because the Bible said in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 9 that you may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince. You need something to exhort and to convince on. I believe that's something that should be that should be taken care of. Your income, your prosperity, it will go up from week to week and it will vary. Think about this. You're out here. You've been fortunate enough. You sold some stock. You made a $20,000 profit. Oh, we got Grandma's house sold last week. My sister and I divided it up. I got $100,000 for my part. I think when I hear that, boy, we ought to have a big increase in the contribution next Sunday. Got $100,000. It doesn't happen. This Bible still says that you need to think about your prosperity. That verse in there about prosperity, it just keeps popping up. What was your prosperity the week before? How much have you been prospered? How much did the church receive of this? We all got surprised here a few days ago because of what happens occasionally. Your income can come from salary. It can come from bonuses and commissions. It can come from gifts. It can come from that garage sale, ladies, that you made $500 on last week. Profits on business deals. Profits on stocks. You inherited quite a bit of money. And as much as I hate to admit it, it comes from your lottery winnings and your winnings down at the river wind. Stay out of a place like that. And it will come. You didn't ask for it. Didn't need it. But last week it came. A, what they called a stimulus check. I didn't want it. I didn't need it. Because my taxes are going up like a rocket. And inflation is going to hit all of us. But I got $2,800 put in my bank account the other day. Prosperity for me this past week was $2,800 over and above whatever else I made. I have to settle up with the Lord on that. And I did that this morning. You think about that. Most everybody in here got that stimulus check. From $1,400, $2,800, $3,400, Where'd the money go? Prosperity. You think about it. As you have purpose in his heart. Think about the prosperity then that you that you need to think about. We ought to have either today 
Our next Sunday, the largest collection that this church has had in a long, long time because of those stimulus checks. I like the story of the little boy, the little guy, running around the house there. He had a few little chores to do. He has to carry out the trash, sweep the leaves off the front porch, keep his room picked up. And for that, the parents gave him a dollar a week. And they told him, you get a dollar. And when we go to church Sunday, <coughs> you got to put something in the collection plate. So he put he puts a dime in the collection plate. That left him 90 cents. That's fine. He got a little older. He started delivering some newspapers in his community. And he, for that, he made $10 a week. He went to church on Sunday, dropped a dollar in the collection plate. That left him nine. That was fine. Got up in high school, got a part-time job at a local supermarket, making $100 a week. Dropped in his $10 in the church on Sunday morning and kept the other 90. Right out of high school, he started a small business. In just a few weeks, he had made a profit of $1,000. And he said, Lord, there ain't no way you're going to get $100 today. That would be more than I was making a few weeks ago. You think about that. Think about that for just a minute. To those of you that have the ability to make money, God bless you. I had a Baptist preacher friend of mine that I worked with for many years named Reuben Wright. He gave me this story, and this is probably my favorite in the ones I have today. Reuben said, Clyde, I got a good story you can put in a sermon on giving. Okay, what do you got? He said, this man goes to his pastor, and he says, Pastor, you know I've been a faithful member of this church for many years. I've been very faithful in my tithes, gifts, and offerings. The pastor said, yes, I know you have. But he said, I, Pastor, I've got a problem. What's your problem? I'll see if I can help you. My business has just skyrocketed lately. I am now making so much money, I can't afford to tithe anymore. Can you help me? pastor said, yes, I think I can. He said, remember, it's the Lord that gives you power to get well. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, I'm going to pray that the Lord will cut your income back to what it was a few months ago, and then you can afford to tithe again. Boy, that'll hit you, won't it? Why do we give? Because we need to live treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19 through 20. Lay, up for your, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We live in very prosperous times. Make wise use of your money. And if there's some of you widow ladies out here, that you may have some ungodly children. The worst thing that you can do is give them a bunch of money if you really want to make them miserable. Many people that have won the lottery a year or two later wish they'd never won it. Because they spent all the money, they got used to living with it, now they don't have it, they're misery. You can really make those grandkids or children of yours miserable. You give them a bunch of money, they don't know how to use it, they blow it, and now it's all gone. Use that in the service of God. In this congregation, Mark told me about a situation, I guess about 22 years ago. A man came to him, said, Mark, now, don't have a wife any longer. 
My health is starting to fail. I'm not going to be around a whole lot longer. I have three ungodly children that I've not seen in years and years. I have no idea where they are. I want to give everything I have for the church. He didn't have a whole lot. He had a small house, a few dollars in money, and a car. I want to give everything I've got to the uh, to the church. Mark told him, I can take care of the money. Let me go see. Let's go see my lawyer friend. This is going to get challenged. Let's make sure we have a will that it cannot be broken. They got that all taken care of. A few months later, he was gone. At the funeral service, three strangers showed up. We're his children. What about all the, what about his stuff? Well, he had a will. He left everything to the church. Here's a copy of it. They read it over. They didn't like what he said. They took it to a lawyer. The lawyer read it over. And he said, these folks did it right. The church is going to get every penny that he had. They didn't like that. Took it to a second lawyer. The second lawyer told him the same thing. So the church then, from this good brother, picked up a little over $100,000. And that went a long ways in the building of this building that you're in today. Because he chose not to give it to some ungodly children that would have just wasted it and their lives would have been miserable in the future. In the congregation of the Prada that I was from, a good lady named Mildred Atkins, oldest member in the church, 96 years old. Gary, you remember her. I went to church with her for 50, 60 years. Her and her husband had a will. He died. They had one son. He died. That son had no children. They had, she had one niece and one nephew. She outlived both of them. The last thing on that will was LaPrada Drive, Church of Christ. We picked up somewhere between a quarter of a million and $300,000 from the sale of our house, savings, investments, that kind of thing. The brethren there used that to remodel a building that is now 40 years old. Mark says, think bigger. We need other than Sunday morning contribution to help us out. Other than just Sunday morning, we're going to need to think bigger. Somebody was thinking bigger years ago. Where we are today, somebody gave this five acres of land. Somebody gave the house that Bruce and Jim live in out over here. Somebody gave that. And you're sitting on land that somebody donated years and years ago. You can make outright gifts of cash or stock of a land, houses, cars, and that kind of thing. And certainly that would be good. As this brother had done who was a part of the Barry Road Church. The house was sold and I got the proceeds from that. I liked what you did with the car. You've seen brother so-and-so's car I hear several times over the past year or two. If you're interested in buying the car, put your watch, you'll pay for it. Put it in the envelope. Seal it up. Give it to me. Two weeks from now, we'll open the envelopes. The high bidder gets the car. The church gets the money. This is a cash deal, no credit. I like that part of it. Cash deal. Somebody got the car. The church got the money. I know a good church elder told me several years ago. He said, Clyde, we have told our children that we have a will 
and that they will each get equal parts. We have three children. Each of them will get an equal one-fourth. I thought you said they had three children. They do. Each will get a fourth. The other fourth, he said, it goes to the church. You can give a large cash gift to the church, and you'll get the tax benefit from it. And then the church can buy a single premium life insurance policy on your life. And someday, you make the church the beneficiary, and when your body assumes room temperature, then the church will collect. For 62 years, I was part of the product. Last 50 years, I was either a deacon or an elder. I have now moved. I have now settled up with a product and separated myself from them. And this church is now the beneficiary of some of the proceeds that I have. Not a whole lot, but this church is now the beneficiary of that. You may have soccer land out here that is appreciated many, many times over the years. And the, uh, and the tax rate is going up and up and up. Capital gains is going to get a good part of it. You can set up a charitable trust for the church. You get the tax benefits. The church gets the entire value of it. This may affect only a few people here. What some people call social capital. Difficult to pass on. You have a choice. You can either let the government take it and waste it. And they'll, as a death tax, they'll take 55%. I heard the other day they're getting ready to go up again. It's at 55% now. You've already paid taxes on that all these years, but they want another 55% of what, what you managed to keep. That's going up. Or you can give it to the church and let them use it. And then you can designate the usage of it, whether it's in the building fund, benevolence work here or overseas, missionary work here or overseas. Or it could be a good salary for our evangelists like Brother Michael. At La Prada, about the time that Mark got out of high school, there was set up what we could refer to as the Future Leaders Training Fund. That was started with one large gift of $10,000. The idea of that was to let our young men, getting out of high school or in college, to spend a summer with an evangelist, to give them a salary during that summer instead of working a part-time job, to give them a salary and to help the evangelists as well, that they might get some help and encouragement from the evangelists for one whole summer. Give them a new perspective of what's going on in the church. And that was good. Mark had the privilege of being with Brother Jerry McCorkle. Jerry did a great job, and I shall always be grateful to Brother Jerry for the job that he did upon that occasion. Because this helps to guarantee good leadership in the future. And out of that, Mark and Brent Fisher, a deacon at La Prada, was the first two people that was a part of that. Other people, there's about four deacons at La Prada now that was a part of that. One good evangelist, Brother uh, brother Chase Palmer, we got one good evangelist out of it, and that's the first time La Prada had an evangelist in 50 years. Don't tell me that's not a program that will pay off. It worked out quite well. When you're investing in spiritual things, it begins to develop spiritual nature. The Lord needs you and what you have. Matthew 21, verse 2 and 3. Go into a village, and there you'll find a donkey and a colt. Bring them to me. You notice what that verse says? 
Go looking for it. There's a donkey in the coat. Just go get them. Bring them to me. And if any man shall say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he'll send them. Remember, it's the Lord that gives you power to get wealth. Jesus in Matthew 21 sets himself up as, as king over all of our earthly possessions. We are just the managers of it for a period of time. And I'm happy to say that my children have a good attitude about that. One of them some time ago said, Dad, you can just give it all to the church if you want to. We don't have to have it. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Have a vision for what the 21st century can be. Be generous. Be an Abraham, be a Jacob. And the Lord will bless. I thank you so much for your kind attention this morning. You may be here this morning and not a Christian, not a member of the body of Christ. We'd encourage you to be a Christian this day and to follow in the footsteps of the Savior. If we can help you in any way this morning, you need to render obedience to the gospel. Walk and follow in the path of the Lord. Or you realize that you've not been living as you should have been. And you need to ask for prayers of the brethren of the congregation. They'd be happy to pray with you and for you. You're here this morning. We can assist you in any way. Be glad to do so as the congregation rises to sing. Would you come? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com normanchurch.com normanchurch.com